Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Our two nations work together to make the best, most advanced technology in the world. And this factory is proof of that. And that gives both the Republic of Korea and the United States a competitive edge in the global economy. If, if we can keep our supply chains resilient, reliable, and secure. Over the last few years, we've seen just how critical it is. COVID-19 pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, exposed the fragility of just-in-time supply chains. A global semiconductor shortage has caused a shortfall in consumer goods, especially automobiles, and it's contributing to higher prices around the world. And now, Putin's brutal and unprovoked war in Ukraine has further spotlighted the need to secure our critical supply chains so that our economy, our economic, and our national security are not dependent on countries that don't share our values. You had to travel to Korea to make this speech? Who, who is this going to win over? What does it do for your approval ratings, which are dreadful? I know, I know. I never believed just one poll, but does anybody question whether or not the approval rating for Joe Biden in the United States is in the negatives? So he heads to Korea to have the same conversation that he has here in the United States, trying to push hashtag Putin price hike, trying to blame the invasion of Ukraine for the increases in pricing globally? Is he trying to save face for uh, any Korean leadership? Look, uh, presidents take world trips. You want you, you need to connect with people. I think this is the smart, prudent course. If I was president, I would take those trips too. But the fragility of just-in-time supply chains? Well, when do we start hearing from Joe Biden? We're going to work aggressively starting yesterday to bring manufacturing back to the United States. And when does he look at the progressive movement of his party and say, sorry, we're going to have manufacturing here, and that's going to mean loosening some restrictions, and if you don't like it, we don't care. The future of the nation depends on our ability to manufacture things. Everyone who thought that you just ship off the manufacturing to China, it's no big deal, we don't need to make things. What good is making things? We're a service industry. Doesn't matter if you create the drugs. What matters is you were able to make the drugs, right? It's a takeoff of it doesn't matter who votes. It matters who counts the votes. What's the value of developing top-tier medicines if you can't create them here? You can't construct them here. You can't distribute them here because we don't have the supply. We leave it to others. Wouldn't that be something to discuss? And by the way, this is the first time I've heard Biden personally discussing just-in-time supply chains. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on? 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. That's the number. Come be a part of what it is that we do. Only 39% of adults approve of Joe Biden's performance as president. This is from the Associated Press and the Center uh, for Public Research. This is um, lower than even last month. Only 2 in 10 adults say the U.S. is heading in the right direction. 
or that the economy is good, it was 3 and 10 a month earlier. Who are these three? Who are these three? You literally would have to be being paid money from Black Lives Matter for doing nothing, like Patrice Culler's brother and uh, and the, 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 the father of her kid did. Oh, yeah, 800000 and nearly a million dollars, respectively, for doing nothing. Remember, when you're part of the grift, you get to taste a little bit of the grift cash. For everyone else, the economy is a disaster. 49% of Democrats said uh, the country was headed in the right direction in April, in, in March. Or, I'm sorry, in April. And now, 33%. I said yesterday, as I watched uh, President Biden up there with the uh, heads of Finland and Sweden, I think this looks good for him. I think it's a very, very helpful moment uh, for for Joe Biden. Strength in NATO, fighting back against the the, the Russians, bringing NATO together. We've got more and more nations involved. I thought it was a good-looking moment for him. Producer Ari looked at me and said, I'm going to forget about it tomorrow. Now, both things are absolutely true. It was something that he could look good and strong with. But of course America forgets about it the next day. Because gas prices, because gas prices are heading through the roof. I'll get to that story in, in a bit. No, screw it. I'll get to that story now. This is uh, from a J.P. Morgan Chase, Natasha Kaneva, head of global oil and commodities research there. Discussing how U.S. retail prices could surge another 37% by August. Increased summer travel. Problems with the fuel supply chain. Not just the regular supply chains, not just food supply chains, so not just merchandise, not just food, but fuel as well. Drivers in the United States could, on average, be seeing $6 a gallon gas. Of course it's coming. Of course it's coming. $5 without question. $6. I mean, I guess you could question it. You know, you could question it. Does anybody question $5? Nah, no shot. Now, I am somebody who questions out loud the increase in summer travel. Because I, I, you know, I've talked about this back in February. Canceled. Canceled uh, vacation plans. Was going to do about a week and a half hiking through Utah. I like hiking. You know what I'm doing? I'm spending three days in the outskirts of Atlanta seeing my parents. So so let me just say for the record, it's different. What long-term summer travel plans? We've already seen the reduction in airline flights. People are not going on trips, looking at the dollars and saying we can't afford this. We have not even begun to see the devastation that is going to take place in the tourism industry when people aren't going on uh, these trips. So we're going to see more use of gasoline because people are going to now drive places? I don't know if that's true. But never let a crisis go to waste, right, Joe? And I, uh, I know that Samsung will also be working with Stellantis on a joint venture to build a new facility in the United States that will manufacture batteries for electric vehicles. 
Investments like these are going to help catapult us forward toward a clean energy future, which we both badly need, advancing our shared economic growth, our energy security, and our climate goals. I also Joe Biden I, uh, wouldn't know about energy security if it bit him on the butt. Because if he cared about energy security, he wouldn't be looking to Venezuela to get us more oil. He would be looking to the United States and opening up more opportunities as opposed to limiting them. And yes, the shutting down of the Keystone Pipeline was about limiting opportunities because it sent the message. The restrictions that have been put in place on places that already were allowed for drilling is setting the, 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 the stage. No energy security whatsoever. With $6 a gallon gas coming, definitely five. Let's call it five. Definitely five without saying. But we badly need a clean energy future. This is what Joe Biden says in South Korea. Do you think when he says it, his poll numbers jump back up? His approval with Democrats is 73%. In 2021, it was 82%. Well, what about with uh, those independents and those moderates who said, you know, I voted not to have any crazy Trump tweets. I didn't vote for this nonsense disaster. You can go all the way to South Korea, but you cannot change the reality. It can't be done. You cannot change how it is that you have made Americans feel. And how do Americans feel? According to CNN, downright lousy. We also asked folks to get a sense about how things are going in the U.S. And look at this, Aaron. 65% of Americans in our brand new CNN poll tonight say they are concerned about how things are going in the U.S. Only 4% excited, 10% optimistic. Even one in five say that they are scared. I would argue that the one in five is actually a much greater number. If we were to take um, a look at uh, across the strata, regardless of political party, regardless of, of education, regardless of income, um, it's 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 clear that it's more than one in five. It's I I I don't I don't even think that is remotely close to reality. Should the president take uh, these these foreign trips? Of course, the president should take uh, the these foreign trips. Is this a, a is this a way to? create opportunities and create friendships sure without saying is it going to change any way america views him not a chance also not a chance that i'm going to believe the allegations against elon musk that story is coming up keep it right here i'm tony katz On cue, the allegations of sexual impropriety against Elon Musk. And I'm telling you right now, I ain't paying attention at all. Believe all women, no shot. Believe a press corps that waited on a story until Elon did the wrong thing and then came to punish him, no shot. And screw Business Insider. I'm not being a part of it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Always a pleasure, guys.
everything is possible. Feel free to investigate what you choose. The allegation is of sexual misconduct against Elon Musk, uh, that SpaceX paid $250,000 to a woman to settle a sexual misconduct claim from an incident several years ago. Business Insider uh, did uh, the reporting uh, about a flight attendant who worked as as a contractor accusing Musk of, well, as reported, offering to buy her a horse in exchange for an erotic massage. I, I, I didn't know that was an option. I didn't, I clearly, I clearly have to up my negotiating skills. Musk says there's a lot more to the story in that if, quote, he were inclined to engage in sexual harassment, this is unlikely to be the first time in my entire 30-year career that it comes to light. This story was a, quote, politically motivated hit piece. He continued on Twitter by saying political attacks on me will escalate dramatically in the coming months. Watch their Dirty Tricks campaign against me unfold. I don't need to know if Elon Musk is the most squeaky clean guy in the world. I don't need to know if he's the nicest guy in the world. Nobody asked a question when he was making electric cars and was a dependable leftist. But now that he's got some thoughts on free speech, it's full on attack. Business insider is garbage and the staff there can go to hell. End of list. I have nothing else. I have no interest in kindness on this subject. You are all low-life bastards. Because you want us to believe that you just found this. No. In the world of oppo research, you have what you have, and you release it when the time is right. That's what you do. You release it when the time is right. You release it when it's opportune. Now, I don't know why you would do it now, considering that uh, he's basically trying to find his way out of the, the Twitter deal. But Twitter has said, no, 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 you, we accepted an offer. You got to come to the table. So maybe this is a, a way to further uh, divide that because the last thing that the leftists want is Musk anywhere, anybody taking over Twitter and actually thinking that people should be allowed to speak and not be throttled and not be silenced and not be shadow banned, etc. And none of this is conspiracy theory. We already know it to be true. We already know it from watching Twitter. We know it to be true. We're fully aware. I don't know what happened between Elon Musk and a flight attendant. And I'm, and I'm not about to ask. Because it never dawned on me to ask before. But if, if, if you, if you want to go about investigating, I mean, go, go live your life. Go live your life and, and knock yourself out and, 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 and have some fun. But the reporting of this now, human garbage. These people are just the worst. And if they think they can get me to change narrative and change conversations based on stuff like this, they're they're out of their heads. I am going to focus more on things that get said by people like uh, Representative Eric Swalwell despicably discussing abortion. We are talking about 
a decision that is so personal and one that families and individuals with their families and their friends make oftentimes at the kitchen table. It's one of those few decisions in your life that will require you to consult with your friends and your family. It's like deciding what career you're going to pursue, whether you want to have a family, who you're going to marry. Deciding to have an abortion is just like deciding your career. That's, I I believe in the business we call that a weird flex. That is a strange flex. The talking down, uh, uh, one of the things that this has done, this leak, regarding uh, Justice Samuel Alito, this first draft, where it seems that the court will overturn Roe v. Wade, returning it, of course, the conversation of abortion to the states. One of the things that this has done is that this has really, really reopened America's eyes to the radicalness of not only uh, favoring abortion, but defending it. The decision to have an abortion is the same as deciding what job to take. That's special. That is that is a special kind of absolute hate. I mean, how how else would would one describe it? Uh, it's it it is it is uh, such a a defense of of abortion and such a flippant way to talk about the killing of something. If you ask me if I'm going to pay attention to that or Elon Musk, I'm going to pay attention to that. But I'll let the the lowlifes at Business Insider do what they do. Lowlifes. I don't usually talk like that. I, I have no other word for it. That's how gross I find it all. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Nina Jankowitz is angry. Nina Jankowitz smash. This was going to be the woman who heads up the uh, disinformation governance board. Oh, she's all about the disinformation. She's an expert, don't you know? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. All right. You said uh, that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. I don't think you actually know what disinformation is. I I I think that that's um that's bad work in trying uh in, in trying to get people to believe that you've got you know the, the finger on the pulse and of course it's it's ugly that we would think that this is a good idea at all the idea that the federal government should be looking at things said on social media or in media in general and uh, what needs correction which of course comes to what is it. Uh, that um, you should be saying what is government approved, and that's just not who we are as a society. So Jankowitz is super angry, saying that she's gotten death threats, which I absolutely oppose, saying how dare you call me a partisan actor, which, of course, she is, and that the whole uh, concept that this 
this has gone, you know, by the wayside, that this has fallen apart. This was undone, and ironically, by a disinformation campaign. Fortunately and ironically, we were undone exactly by a disinformation campaign coming from folks who apparently want to put our national security behind their own personal political ambition. I want to put national security behind my liberty. Anybody have a problem with this? 833-468-8669. You cannot tell me you've got my security if I just give up a little bit more of my liberty. No shot. You do not trade liberty for security. You deserve neither, and you will also get none. We were not undone by disinformation. You said what you were, and we believed you. You want to decide what it is people hear. That's a really interesting and strangely uh, um, stunning bit of wordplay there. But we see this happening all the time. And it comes from a belief that because you believe it, it must be true. When we take a look at what I believe about um, uh, economics, it doesn't, I don't believe it because, well, I just feel that way. It comes from seeing what works and what doesn't. It isn't because I say it's so, it's because history says it's so. Here's how things work. The reason that I am as near a free speech absolutist as one can get is because the minute you start talking about not having free speech, about any level of regulation of speech, the question is, well, if you can regulate this, can you regulate that, and who regulates this, and how is that done, and who decides over here, and whatever there, and now it becomes a hellscape. So these arguments and these fights that we have regarding free speech, this is very, very healthy because it's about ensuring the limitation of any level of guards or, or uh, repression of that speech. I think that our own lives have proven this. I think the people who think that they know better, that they're touched from on high uh, with the secret knowledge of what is and isn't acceptable, these are violently dangerous people. There's more violence that exists than just from the barrel of a gun, mind you. Then there's the, 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 the idea that everything is an affront. And, and so to, to engage this, we go back to Sports Illustrated and their swimsuit issue. I spoke about this earlier this week with, with Kurt Schlichter about the idea that, you know, you have this... this Model, plus-size model, okay, Yumi New. First name Yumi, Y-U-M-I, last name New and you. And it's not that Sports Illustrated can't put her on a cover. It's that if you were to say she's not attractive, you'd be told, how dare you, and that you're a racist because she's the first Asian-American Pacific Islander uh, plus-size model. It's historic. It's not historic. It's a woman on a magazine cover. There's been a billion of them. It's no longer historic, people. The only thing here is that she's wearing a, a, a bathing suit as opposed to a sweater, and then people are going to notice whether or not they find her physically appealing or not, which is absolutely fine. This plays into an appearance in a, a Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue 
by a woman by the name of Serafina Nance. And Serafina Nance is an astrophysicist. She seems lovely enough. She doesn't uh, seem the traditional body that would go into a bikini. But they put her in this yellow halter neck bikini. They referred to her in the article as the Egyptian-American analog astronaut. Okay. She's got a brain in her head, and now she's in the magazine. As some people wrote, uh, fantastic for being an astrophysicist, but a swimsuit model? This is the problem that Marilyn Monroe faced, that her audience only valued her for her body, not her brains. This demeans a woman's intelligence. She responds by saying, your brand of feminism isn't real feminism if you're dictating what a woman can do, look like, and dream. Women aren't objects. We don't exist for consumption. The point is that we can be everything and anything we want, period. That's this woman, Serafina, who's in the magazine, responding. The problem, Serafina Nance, is that being in the magazine, you are only there for consumption. You as an individual can do anything that you like. You as a photo in the swimsuit issue solely exist for consumption. It's the only reason you're in the magazine. As a matter of fact, oh, wait a second. It's the only reason the magazine exists is for the consumption. You are a product the minute you took those photos. This isn't you on vacation. No one said you can't take the photos. The argument is I'm allowed to state out loud whether or not I think you're attractive because you became consumable. And when I consume something, whether it's content or a sandwich, I can say, hmm, I like that sandwich or, ooh, I wouldn't eat that sandwich again. You are the object in the magazine. That's, that's what you are. And so it was to that we were engaged in this uh, discussion, myself and Kurt Schlichter, and, and, and it's to that that, that I, go, I go back to this, this conversation about information. This idea of being able to speak freely. If I'm not allowed to comment on Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition because to do so is is hateful and is racist and all these other things, well, then you don't really think I have free speech. You're saying that I shouldn't be able to speak. Or you're saying that the speech should be approved, in which case you are agreeing with the Nina Jankowitzes of the world that speech should be checked and double-checked and rechecked for its purity to make sure it's moving the right kind of message, which is, of course, the message that we, the government, believe in and agree to. Which is why I favor... In almost every case, free speech absolutism. I favor it with everything in me. And when I say almost every case, one could make an argument 
for curbs on speech. Now, we'll use the, the, the great red herring. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater, which, of course, you can yell fire in a crowded theater. Uh, but the idea that I couldn't put out, um, let's go physically harm producer Ari. Now, maybe I could, but I, there would be a, a retribution for that. So maybe we're talking about the difference of what you should say versus what you can say. But there could be concepts of what could be described as harm, and maybe that's something that should be addressed. But if the choice is between the harm of the per, uh, to a person who doesn't like what is said or written versus the harm to me for not being able to say or write it, I'd rather the other person feel the harm. I need to be able to say it or write it. I have rights, and my rights are not taken away because somebody else feels harm. I come back to that again and again and again. Now, this this moves into a really interesting story about Twitter and, and, and what they're doing with, with their their new crisis misinformation. And the story out of Variety. I love the story out of Variety. Because the story out of Variety is, is, this, is this look at everything we assumed the, the woke were all about and maybe some pushback. I like pushback. Right? The pushback is that Netflix has done away with a bunch of projects. And one of those projects is Anti-Racist Baby, a series aimed at preschoolers. This from Ibram Kendi. Ibram Kendi is a bigot who, how to be an anti-racist, who talks about fighting discrimination with discrimination and fighting future discrimination with discrimination. Believes in this. Believes in this maddening nonsense idea and ideal. Pushes the idea that it's wrong for, you know, when, when, a, when a white couple adopts a black child, it's to, uh, it's to um, you know, uh, ease the savage or, or, or treat the savage. It, what, he put it out. It was ugly as sin. Talking about Amy Coney Barrett at the time. The guy's a bigot. Anti-racism is all about bigotry and dividing people. And Anti-Racist Baby was a way of doing this to kids. A series for preschoolers? That's pretty gross. And now Netflix is doing away with this. They're saying that the decisions to move away are actually not money-related, but they're creative. Which I really love. I love that there was a creative decision not to continue with this bigotry. And it makes you note that with all the insanity going on, uh, there, there's there's hope. So the the, the disinformation governance board uh, gets stricken down, right? Or it doesn't get stricken down. They're like, oh, we're gonna put a pause on this. Oh, they'll come back with it in some other form. And and uh, and then and then here comes uh, Twitter to say uh, that's okay. We'll now uh, engage in special crisis monitoring here on, on Twitter. After all, we got the story about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop wrong. And absolutely tried to influence an election. But you can trust us to let you know what's legit and what's not. And while that's happening, you've got Netflix not only saying to its employees, we have a lot of different conversations and different points of view happening here. And if you don't like it, this might not be the place for you to work. And then going further by dropping some of these really 
bigoted concepts and people. So maybe there's some hope. Maybe there is uh, some hope. In the meantime, for the people who got rid of Disney Plus and are considering getting rid of Disney Plus because of the wokeness of Disney, the new Daredevil series is moving forward. <laughs> You're willing to let it all burn because of that? Dude, I, I am in turmoil over Daredevil. So this was the series that was on uh, Netflix. I emailed you this morning. Yeah, you did. Um, uh, and uh, so Charlie Cox, who plays uh, um, uh, uh, Murdoch, uh, Matt Murdoch in, in Daredevil, he plays the character of Daredevil, who had a brief appearance um, in, in No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home. Vincent D'Onofrio is Wilson Fisk, uh, which is Kingpin in the Disney Plus series Hawkeye, which he, it was, he wasn't great in that. But oh, they didn't, come they on. Didn't, they didn't write him a great part. Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin in Daredevil is unbelievable. He's a great actor. Oh, tremendous. And I am saying that pound for pound, outs, uh, yes, pound for pound, including Jeremy Renner, uh, Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock as Daredevil is the best actor in the entire, entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, period. He is beyond perfect as Daredevil. Do you think Disney Plus is going to ruin it i don't know i don't know but the fact that it's happening and uh i i just i just uh, i don't i don't want it i don't want to hear i'm i'm disgusted with disney's nonsense right just stop being ridiculous then again maybe they're hurting themselves because the trailer for she hulk is out it's 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 not good. I'll give it a chance because I'm a generous man. Not good. It's not good. You're right. But Daredevil has all the opportunities in the world to be nuts. To be nuts. Because he's that good and D'Onofrio's that good. And they got the tone right. The whole tenor of that show is dark yet hopeful yet searching for something it's 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 one of the few shows that really hit the layers in totality beautifully the layering in of religion the layering in of self-reliance the layering in of of loneliness the the the, the hero is an anti-hero and in and the and the villain is relatable it's so good and uh oh Tony Cat's favorite for sure. Oh, oh! In, in the MCU, top, tippity toppity top, tippy tippy top. But I, 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 I hate these woke folk. <laughs> so, what's a boy to do? Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So BuzzFeed News has a a tweet out. We want to hear from teenagers around the country about their experience with sex education in schools. What is... Why? Can we just stop talking 
in schools about sex with our kids? Can we leave it to parents? What is the obsession? Good Lord. I never had a teacher I really wanted to talk about sex with. Just me? Okay. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.